Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, as best I know, I'm right with you. And I, I, I think, as best I can be, I'm sensitive to your will and to your leading. So, Lord, if, if what I'm about to do is not of you, change my heart. Direct me where you want me to be. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to the book of Exodus. I'm, I'm dumping tonight's message. It's a good message, and it'll be, it'll be just fine next week. But for tonight, I want us to go to Exodus 29. Exodus 29. Sometimes we look at the, the activities of the Israelites, particularly in the Pentateuch, as it has to do with the law, and because we have been, you know, the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, we think none of that has anything to do with us. Oh, no, there is lessons aplenty in the Old Testament, particularly in the law. It is a schoolmaster, isn't it? It's meant to teach us. It can't save anybody, but it's meant to teach us. And when you start studying through these kind of things, you realize that there were several types of offerings that the children of Israel would would offer. Now, from a bird's eye view, all of them have one thing in common. All of them point to Jesus. All of them point to Jesus. That's something, if you're doing your Bible reading through the Old Testament, uh, this is true for the whole Bible, but especially in the Old Testament, if you're struggling through a particular section, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. That, that, that opens it up wide open for you. Even, even the genealogies, look for Jesus. He's there. You see, God gave us the lineage of Christ and how all that works together and, and who came from where and all of that. All of that ultimately points to Christ. But what you see in these, in these offerings, you see that they, they would offer burnt offerings, free will offerings, um, peace offerings, the offering of atonement, sin offerings, trespass offerings. But there's one offering in particular we want to see in Exodus 29, verse 38. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. That, that right there speaks of having to make the same decision over and over and over. We offer ourselves up Constantly, constantly. Um, verse 40, and with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of an hen of beaten oil and the fourth part of an hen of wine for a drink offering. Wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb thou shalt offer it even and shalt do thereto according to the meat offering of the, of the morning and according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. We see our first glimpse of what we know as a drink offering. A drink offering was, was almost always wine, and wine speaks to vigor and refreshment. And so when you're offering a drink offering of wine, what you're saying is, Lord, everything in me that makes me feel alive, everything in me that brings me joy, 
Everything in me that refreshes me, I sacrifice it all to you. For in you and you alone do I find my strength, my vigor, my joy. And that's where a lot of people mess up, even Christians, is we strive to find our joy and our strength everywhere but the one place you can get it. What kind of joy is my strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. But we try to find our strength and we try to find our joy in all kinds of pursuits. And I'm not saying that all of these pursuits are wrong. But you you talk to somebody like a Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan found his strength and found his joy in the thrill of competition. And he's reached a point in his life that he has no way to compete anymore. And most people that know him say he's not the same man he used to be. Why? Because his source for joy and vigor and strength is gone. Contrast that with a Christian who moves into into later years and their body is starting to break down on them and yet they are just filled with boundless joy and vigor as much as their body will allow. How is that possible? It's possible because they're drawing from the right source. They've poured out their lives to God and he has rewarded them accordingly. The drink offering. There are three great drink offerings in the Bible, and we can learn from all three. Let's look at the first one. Go with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Verse number 13. 2 Samuel 23, verse number 13. David is on the run. This is actually remembering back because at this point in 2 Samuel, David's not far from dying, but he's remembering back. This is a flashback, if you will. And David is in the cave of Adullam. And it says, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13, And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. You'll remember that that's David's hometown, Bethlehem. Verse 15, and David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. I know a little bit of what David's dealing with there. I've got to be careful. There are certain people within our church family that if I mention a longing for something, it it magically finds its way into my possession. I've got to be careful to be responsible about that kind of thing. And that's what's happened here. David By the way, I long for a family life center. But David, (laughs) but David, David longs for the water from his hometown. 
Now, those of us that have well water, we know a little bit about this. There's just, now some well water is not fit to drink, and I know that too. But boy, boy, you get some of that spring water from some special place, man, it'll do something for you. Oh, he longed for that water. So these three of David's mighty men say, well, let's do it for him. Let's go get him some of that water. And so these three guys go in there. They strong arm their way through that garrison. They get that water, and they take off running with it, and they bring it back to David at the hazard of their own lives. They took it and brought it to David, verse 16. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. David there offers a drink offering. And you know what he's giving up? He's giving up his aspirations. This is what I wanted more than anything else in this moment was this drink offering, was this this drink of water. Man, more than anything, that's what I want. That's what I aspire to. Oh, I so desperately wish I could just have just one, one sip of this wonderful water. And then when he has it in hand, he says, I'm going to take that desire. I'm going to take that aspiration, and I'm going to give it to God. What's the one thing you want right now more than anything? Take a moment and think about it. What's the one thing you want more than anything else? Now, if you've determined what that is, ask yourself this question. Whatever it is, would I be willing to give it to God? I'll tell you what what I want. I mean, outside of obviously we want people to be saved and we want to see revival. I'm talking about specific, tangible things. I want that family life center so badly. But over and again, just like I have decided over and over again, you know what I've had to do? I've had to pour it out before God. Maybe that's not your will. Maybe that's not your will right now. What if God said, Andy, two and a half million dollars is nothing for me. But I'd rather you spend that two and a half million dollars in missions. These are aspirations, what we want, that to which we aspire. Are we prepared to pour them out before the Lord? There's a second one. Go to John chapter 12, would you? John chapter 12, 
verse number one, we see David pouring out his aspirations. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. You'll remember when we talked about this in Mark. This was worth a year's salary. A year's salary. Very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Mary took something that was worth, in our reckoning, I forget what I said the average salary is. I think it's around, nationwide, it's around $50,000 a year, nationwide. Now, remember, there's parts of this country that the cost of living is so high, that would be low where that is. She's worked a year for it. That money represents a pretty significant, wait for it, achievement. I was talking to a friend the other day. He's a good man, loves the Lord. And he was talking about a situation he ran into that it cost him some money. And uh, trying to think of the best way to frame this because I don't want to give away any of his confidence or anything, but Sometimes, you know, things happen in our business or happen in whatever, and it costs us money. In one day's time, he lost $40,000. That represented quite a bit of work. That represented quite a bit of achievement. Now, this is what staggered me. I, I'd like to think I had this same kind of faith, but I don't know that I do. I asked him, I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I prayed. And you know what the Lord reminded me of? It's all his anyway. Yeah, it represents a pretty significant achievement, $40,000 worth of achievement. And I don't care how rich you are. 40 grand's 40 grand. You know. Well, this woman had something that was representative of a year's worth of achievement. And we know from the other gospels, she broke it open and she poured it all out. What was it? It was a drink offering. You see, David poured out his aspirations. Mary poured out her achievement. We're not supposed to measure things this way, but we can't help it. We base a lot of how we reckon ourselves to be successful on achievement, don't we? Now, that's not fair. 
Because we're going to get to heaven and we're going to find out Christians that were limited in what they could do, but they were faithful. They, they prayed and they, they gave and they did their best to be at church and, and they just labored behind the scenes and there wasn't a whole lot of achievement really to, to, to look at, but we're going to get to heaven and find out that they achieved a lot in the Lord's eyes. You know. But I mean, I, I look at it, I'm so far behind right now because I've got guys my age that their church has tripled in size and they've started a Bible college and they've got a publishing group and they're preaching all over. Man, I'm, I'm running behind, y'all. Because we tend to measure things in achievement. And we have, we have dreams. We have dreams. I, I mean, I, I can sit here and feign humility all I want, but the fact is if I had a bunch of people calling me asking me to come preach at their conferences, I'd be like, well, Yeah. You know, I'd feel good about that. That's not God's will. I have to be willing to take my achievements and give them to him, right? Are you willing to pour out your achievement, meaning you let God dictate what you accomplish and what you don't accomplish for him? Here's the last one. We see David poured out his aspirations. Mary poured out her achievements. We go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4. We've been in this passage just recently. We'll begin in verse number 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul writing to Timothy, his last letter, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned Unto fables, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Verse number six For I am now ready to what? Be offered. You know what he's talking about there? It literally means I'm ready to be poured out. Now, some think that he's speaking of the manner of his death, and I don't mean to be gross. But when you're beheaded, particularly in Bible times in Rome, it's a messy affair. Well, that's what he means by being poured out. I don't think so. I don't think so. He says, I'm now ready to be offered, ready to be poured out. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You see, David poured out that water, and in doing so, he offered up his aspirations. Mary pulled out, poured out that spikenard, and in doing so, she offered God her achievements. What is Paul talking about? I'm now ready to be offered. What is, what is he offering up? You ready? Not just aspirations. Not just achievements. God, this moment, you have my all, everything. 
everything. There's a freedom in that kind of a mindset. I'm not saying it's easy to get there, but there's a freedom in it. What kind of freedom? Well, when, uh, when we lived in the Parsons for the first couple of years we were here, um, the AC unit, the heat pump went out. And so I picked up the phone and I called somebody at the church and I said, who do we use? They said who to call, and they came out, and they fixed it. And you know how much it cost me? Nothing. Nothing. The church paid for that. And in most rental situations, it's usually agreed upon that things like that, the landlord takes care of, you know, and we treat it as a rental situation. There was a certain freedom in knowing that, well, that's not my problem because that doesn't really belong to me. Contrast that with where we are now. Our place over on Mockingbird Lane is all ours. And you know who pays for it when things go wrong? We do. Because it's ours. Hey, Christian, if you'll just learn to live in the truth that everything belongs to him, you've given him your all, all of it. When things go wrong, what do you do? You refer them to the owner. I don't have to worry about anything. That's not my responsibility. Now, I know that's easy preaching, hard living, but the truth is, no matter what comes into your life, Christian, if you've given him your all, if you have poured yourself out as a drink offering to him, everything is his responsibility. How am I getting to heaven? That's his responsibility. I poured myself out and asked him to be my savior. And now the entire responsibility of me getting to heaven is on him. And everything you give to God, forgive me for how pedestrian this is going to sound, everything you give to God becomes his problem. So give him your marriage, give him your kids. Give him your finances. Give him your job. Give him your friends. Give him all. Hey, how about this? Give him your warts. What do I mean by that? The stuff we all have that's ugly and no good. Give it to him. And it becomes his problem. Where do we go wrong? We go wrong when we don't pour it all out before him and we keep things for ourselves and then when things go wrong, we have nowhere to look but ourselves. And we are not empowered to fix anything. How many times have I had to come into this room usually 
Sometimes I do it other places. And once again, Lord, I pour this church out to you. It's yours. You're the one that has to deal with this. You're the one that has to fix this problem. You're the, I'm, I'm, I'm but a child. I don't know how to go out or come in. Grant me wisdom that I may discern between good and evil and judge this, thy so great a people. Solomon had it right. This is yours. And thus the problems are yours. But that only happens when we give him our all. Can I remind you of an unpleasant truth? Take a moment and think of something in your life that maybe you've not given to God. Be honest with yourself. This is an area of my life I've not given over to God. And once you got it, put a pin in it. Okay? You know what that is? It's an idol. Whatever you won't let him have is an idol. Pastor John Brothers said this all the time. All God wants is all. How many times as a parent have we asked our kids to let us control something? Knowing that if they'll give it up, if they'll let us handle it, we can handle it better than they can. Why does God want everything? Because he's selfish and because he just wants to hoard everything to it? No, God wants us to give him everything because he alone knows what to do with it. Now, I'm not saying that we bear no responsibility to live right and do right and walk with him. You know that. But I'm saying as a principle, as I walk through this life and as I seek for wisdom to make decisions, it has to start with me saying, Lord, it's all yours. I can't help but think back to my friend. $40,000. How do you not go crazy? I don't, I don't even look at, I've got 401ks that are hanging around from previous jobs. I don't look at those. Because depending on what's going on in the economy, I lose a ton of money here and there. Drives me crazy. I just want to pull it all out. If I can figure out how to do it without penalty, pull it all out and put it under mattress. $40,000. How in the world do you not just lose it? But his answer is so spot on. Well, it's all his anyway. And I wonder if tonight, there's not some Christians, I'm one of them, that needs to have a drink offering ready. Maybe tonight, there's some aspirations, there's some desires that you have, and they may not even be wrong, but they're not his. It's time to pour them out. Some achievements that you've hung your hat on, but they're not his. 
It's time to pour them out. Or maybe we just need to go ahead, lock, stock, and barrel, and say, you know what? He just needs to get all. Everything I am and everything I hope to be, everything I have, everything I do, as best I can, if you'll help me, Lord, I pour it out to you tonight as a drink offering. It all belongs to you.